chapter 4, we'll be looking at verse 20. Now, when you think of Jesus Christ, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? <laughs> now, many people, when they think about Jesus Christ, they, you know, the first thing that comes to their mind is, is he is the Son of God. Um, he died on the cross for our sins. He worked miracles. He healed the sick. He fed the multitudes. He raised the dead. He turned water to wine. He walked on water. He cast out demons. He rose from the dead. He ascended back up into heaven. His teachings. You know, people think about all these different things when they think about Jesus Christ. And we know all of these things about Jesus. And, you know, if you think about it, each one of these things would come to mind when we think about him. But then let's think some more about him. He was obedient. You know, when we think about him, he was obedient to the Father. We can think about his commands that he gave us. Yes, he gave us his teachings. We have his teachings in the gospel, but we also have his commands in the gospel. His love can come to mind. How he loved us. His sinless life can come to mind. Salvation can come to mind. All of these things can come to mind because that is how we learned Jesus Christ. And today we're going to be looking at how we learned Jesus Christ. And just to give you some background, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and in chapter 4, right before you get to verse 20, what he is discussing with the church at Ephesus is he is talking to them about the sins that were going on in Ephesus. And then he gives them that, that one phrase, but you have not so learned Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. It's written, but ye have not so learned Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you for this day that you have given us. I thank you, Lord, for your word and just all the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we worship together. Just illuminate your word for us, Lord, and just help us just to learn from it. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we worship, that you would just just edify the hearts of those that are here. And if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's anyone that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts. And Lord, I just pray that, again, you would be with those that are sick and shut in, those that may be traveling, those that could not make it today, Lord. We just lift them up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon each one. And again, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us, that you would bind down Satan and have no part of this service. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Now, think about what Paul is saying in this verse. Again, he is writing to the church at Ephesus. And Ephesus was a Roman city. And it was a sinful city. And what he is discussing in the preceding verses is the sinfulness of the Gentiles. Particularly the sinfulness of the Gentiles in the Roman Empire, if you think about it. And when you think about sin, what does the Bible tell us? The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinful. But when you think about the sins of Rome, Rome was a very just... It's hard to describe the sin of Rome, the evil of the Roman Empire. The Romans were very sinful. They were idol worshippers. They were heathens. They were hedonistic. Um, they were, the Roman Empire was rife with fornication and prostitution, homosexuality, drunkenness, um, People would go to the Colosseums to watch people die and they would cheer it. Um, murder was rife. Theft was rife. They had corrupt leaders. Just anything that you can think of evil, that was wrong. And all of these things were going on throughout the Roman Empire, and they were also going on at the city of Ephesus. And what Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, he is telling these Christians, he's saying, you need to stay clear of this evil. He did not want the Christians to be influenced by that old way of life that they had lived before they had become Christians. And if you think about it, they had been partakers of that sin that was going on in the Roman Empire. And Paul is telling them, he's reminding them, that they are no longer like that. They are to leave that old self behind. They are not to walk, as he says in verse 17, as the other Gentiles walk. And you can see him saying the same thing to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians, Paul lists all these sins that were going on at Corinth, and he says pretty much the same thing. He says, you were like this, just to paraphrase, you were like this at one time, but you were no longer like this because of Christ. And he's telling the church at Ephesus the same thing. He's saying you're not to walk as these other Gentiles walk, and then he adds, in the vanity of their mind. Basically, they were lifted in pride. And then he starts to list how these other Gentiles walk. Not only were they 
in the vanity of their mind or living in the vanity of their mind, he says their understanding is darkened because of sin. They had a darkened understanding. They were basically in the dark. They were blinded by sin. And that's what he says. He says their hearts were blinded. But then he says that they have hardened their hearts. And if you look at what he says, he says they have hardened their hearts out of ignorance. They were ignorant to the things of God. Sin had hardened their hearts. Sin had left them, as he says, past feeling. And then he says they are immoral because of this. Basically, they were giving themselves over willingly to sin. And then he lists that they were giving themselves over to wantonness, to uncleanness. And then he says to greediness. They were greedy. They were wanton. They were wanting to sin. They were just unclean because of sin and the things that they were doing. And he says this is how these other Gentiles are walking. And if you think about why they are walking that way, they are walking that way because they're lost. Think about what Paul writes in the book of Romans about the people that are lost. He says they are dead. Dead in sin. Spiritually dead in sin. And if you think about what sin does to the individual, you can see why the Romans acted the way they act. Because sin just pretty much shackles you. People that are lost are under the bondage of sin. They're chained to it. They can't get away from it. When someone is lost, if they had to choose between doing what they wanted to do, which would be sinful, and doing what God wants them to do, they're going to choose to do what they want to do every time because they are dead spiritually. They're under the bondage of sin and shackled to it. And this is what Paul is pointing out to the church at Ephesus. He says you are not to walk that way because these people are dead and they're ignorant to their own spiritual death. Because if you think about it, someone who is dead does not know they are dead. And these people were spiritually dead and they did not know it. And he reminds them, this church, why they are not to walk as other Gentiles. And that brings us to our key verse in verse 20. He says, you're not to walk this way, you're not to live this way because you have not learned Christ in that way. That you have not so learned Christ. Paul had not taught them about a sinful Jesus. Think about that. Did we learn Christ as being sinful? No. We've not learned Christ that way. Again, when you think about Jesus Christ, what are the things that you think about? He's the Son of God. He was sinless. He died on the cross for our sins. As we looked at last week, 
He was made sin for us who knew no sin. He had never sinned. He had not taught them that they could disobey God. He taught them about the obedience of Jesus Christ. They had learned about a Savior who was sinless and spotless and stainless, who was meek, who was humble, who was mild, who was loving, who did all of these things while he was here, all these miracles, all these things that he taught, all the things that he commanded. That is what Paul had taught them. He had not taught them sin. And when you think about it, because they had not learned Christ any other way than what is taught in the gospel, they were to live according to the gospel. They were to act and live like they had learned Christ. They were to walk after Christ. They were not to walk as other Gentiles walk. They were to walk after Christ. That's why Paul writes right after that, he says, you are to leave that old nature. That old nature, that sinful nature, you're to leave it. You're to cast off, as he says in verse 22, the old man, the old nature. Basically, they were to take it, that old nature off like you would take off a suit and just throw it away. Why? Because that old nature is corrupt. It's sinful. And that's what he says. He says it's corrupt through the deceivable lust. It's corrupt. We're not to keep living in the old nature. We're to cast it off like you would a suit. But then he tells them what they were to do. He says, you are to put on the new man, the new nature. And look at what he writes. Here in verse 24, and put on the new man, and look at that, which after God is created unto righteousness and true holiness. Who gave us the new nature? God. Who created the new nature in us? God. Who gave us new life, eternal life? God. Only God can create life. Only God can give us this new nature. Only God can create that new nature in us and that new nature is created in us when we receive Christ and we have the Holy Spirit dwell in us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, once we receive Christ, that new nature is created, then that's the new birth that Jesus talks about when he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. When he tells Nicodemus, you must be born again, this is the new birth, that creation of that new nature that is created after Christ. So they were to cast off the old nature, that sin nature was corrupt after the deceivable lust, and they were to put on the new man, the new nature. 
which is created after God. And as Paul says, is created unto righteousness, and then he adds, true holiness. Now, how are they to do this? How are they to put on this new nature? Look at what Paul starts to write to them. He starts listing all the sins they were to leave behind in order to put on that new nature. He tells them to stop lying. The first thing, stop lying. Tell the truth. Stop lying. Speak the truth. Do not sin. He says, and look at that, he says, while angry. You know, anger can cause us to sin. How many people get angry? How many people sin while they're angry? All of us. Now, we might not say things, but when we're angry, what happens? We start thinking things. And thinking them is just as bad as saying them. Because when we get angry, what happens? We begin to lose control. And when we begin to lose control, we sin. So Paul tells them to stop lying, and then he says, speak the truth. But then he says, do not sin while angry. But then look at what he says right after that. In verse 27, neither give place to the devil. What happens when we sin? We give place to the devil. The devil can grab a hold to us. The devil can start to tempt us even harder. And when we get tempted, what happens? Many times we stumble and fall into that trap. And then once we sin, once we give place to the devil and we sin, what happens? It becomes easier and easier for us to sin. Over and over and over again. So Paul tells them to speak the truth. He tells them to stop lying. He tells them not to sin while they're angry. And then he says, do not give place to the devil. Don't let the devil get a hold of you. Because that's just going to lead you into more sin. And then he says, don't steal. Don't steal. Don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. You know, I could preach an entire sermon on that one, one line. Do not let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. We can all think about corrupt communication that can come out of our mouth. We're not to let that happen. And then look at what he says right after that. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now how would the Holy Spirit get grieved? The Holy Spirit dwells in us. 
when we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Paul tells the Thessalonians, don't put out the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit's flame. When we sin, we quench the Holy Spirit. When we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Paul says, don't do that. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Pretty much he's telling them, stop sinning. That's what he's saying. Stop sinning. Stop letting the old nature come out. And let it taking a hold of you. Keep the old nature dead. Stop living that old way. Why? Because you have not learned Christ that way. They were to live as they learned Christ. Now, if you go back and you think about all the sins that were going on in Rome, all the sins that were going on at Ephesus, we see the same thing happening today. You know, times change, but societies don't change. We see the same thing happening today. Paul could be speaking to the church today, and if you think about it, he is speaking to the church today because God's word is eternal. Just as he is telling the church at Ephesus, you have not learned Christ this way, he's telling us today. We're to live like we learned Christ. I mean, think about it. Look at the world in which we live. The sin, the evil, the violence. We live in a very violent world today. But then look at the temptation that is out there. The snares that Satan throws in our path. All these things can cause Christians to stumble. As Paul told the church at Ephesus, we are not to walk as other Gentiles walk. When we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are to live... As a Christian, we are to live like Christ is our Lord and Savior. We are to walk after him, not like we did when we were lost. We didn't learn Christ that way. How did we learn Christ? We learned Christ as obedient. He was obedient to the Father. Meek, loving, sinless. That's how we learn Christ. And we're to walk like we learn Christ. But what else? Did we learn Christ? Did we see a Christ in the gospel as one who did not worship the Father? 
No, we learn Christ as one who worshipped. He went to synagogue. He prayed. He worshipped the Father. He obeyed the Father. Even when it led to his death. That's how we learn Christ. We didn't learn him any other way. Thus, we have his example that we can look to. We have his example that we can live after. And that's how we're to live. When we think of Christ, we need to think about all the scripture says about him. All that's written about him, all that we can learn about him through the gospels. And that's how we're to live. Because he is our prime example of the Christian life. Now, how are we to live when we live like him? Are we to be lifted in pride or are we to be humble? We're to be humble. Are we to be hateful or loving? We're to be loving. Are we to let corrupt communication come out of our mouth or are we to speak the truth in love? We're to speak the truth in love. Are we to disobey God or are we to obey God? We're to obey Him. All the things that we learned about Christ, that's how we're to live. Because we have not learned Him any other way. And that's why Paul tells them, and he tells us, cast off the old nature and put on the new nature in Christ the new nature that we are given when we receive him as Lord and Savior. Because we are not to be entangled by the sins of this world. We're to live as Christ. And we're to obey God as Christ did. Walking after Christ in our new nature. Because that's how we learned him. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we can just learn from your word, and I thank you, Lord, that we just have your word that we can look to. And Lord, I just pray as we go into this time of invitation, if there's anyone here that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.